Hello, Forever Family. My name is Shannon. I'm the Recovery Pastor. Today is Thursday, and we are in Holy Week. And as we're coming to the end of Holy Week, we find ourselves at Holy Thursday. Some call it Monday Thursday. That's M-A-U-N-D-Y. Monday Thursday. You know, there's this is a day where there were several events that took place. First, there was the Last Supper. There was the washing of the apostles' feet by Jesus. Then we have the, the prayer in Gethsemane. Christ is in great agony. And then tonight, Christ would be arrested. And tonight would begin the beatings that he went through. You know, in most European countries, Monday, Thursday is known as Holy Thursday. It's also known as Green Thursday in Germany. Um, and this is from the early practices where green branches would be given as a token of completing the lentil, uh, the Lenten penance, going through the Lenten process. You know, we've been through 40 days now of Lent. And they would also be called Sheer Thursday, which translates into meaning Clean Thursday. And this refers to the ceremonial washing of the altars on this day. So as we look at Thursday today, what happened? You see, in Jesus' time, this was the, the Hebrew Passover, and it was celebrated in people's homes with their families. It was also prescribed that on this night, no one could leave the city of Jerusalem because the city was considered a place of, of salvation. Now, remember on this night for Passover, um, the Jewish people would, would gather with their families and they would remember their homes. The, the angels literally brought them from death because they covered, if you remember, they covered their, their post and lentil with the sacrificial lamb's blood. And by doing this, the death angel would pass by them. And this happened while they were still in Egypt. And this was the final straw for Pharaoh. Pharaoh told Moses, he said, take the people and just go. So this was part of the Passover remembrance. And this was a time when Israel would remember their, their pilgrimage. So they, they would kind of go back to their beginnings by remembering that the death angel passed over them because they were obedient. And this also created like a new in their, in their life, in their joy, in their hearts. And it, it was a new because they, there was salvation, there was liberation, and it was their, their freedom. So they remember their foundation of being God's people and being brought out of Egypt. So first, let's look at the, the Last Supper. So the Last Supper was the Passover meal that Jesus shared with the 12 disciples. But he gave the traditional Passover meal a radical new meaning. You see, because now he's trying to explain to them that he will become the sacrificial lamb, but they can't understand it yet. We have... The advantage of looking backwards. And so we saw how things unfolded. They didn't understand that. So even though we look backwards, we still remember that as Christians, 
We've come to see this as a celebration of the institution of the Eucharist, whereby the, the bread and the wine are the body and the blood of Christ. Now, there's, there's two elements that are worth pointing out if you look at a picture or a painting of the Last Supper. John is basically resting on Jesus. Like, almost like how a child would just prop against their, their parents. There's so much trust in adoration. But Judah, now Judas is, he's, he actually dips his hand in the dish. Everyone's listening to Jesus. Judas doing his own thing. So Jesus here is a sign of contradiction that leaves you with two opinions when you're looking at a painting of the Last Supper. First, you have the loving discipleship, and then you have the betrayal right in front of Christ's face. You see, Christ looks upon us, and if you check out the, the paintings in the picture, he's usually pointing to his heart, and that's inviting us to rest in him. And John is living this out in this moment, like, John just draws so close as if he's laying on Jesus' chest in some of the pictures and listening to Jesus' heartbeat. Now, a little bit of Greek here. The word disciple actually has a root of menos, M-E-N-O-S, and this means decision and power. So from this, we in turn get the idea of, of the mind, um, this is the center of the person, or some people say it's the heart, because really whatever lives in your heart is what your mind focuses on, and it's shown through your actions. So simply put, the disciple isn't only someone who learns from a teacher, but they acquire some of the same mindset, the same heart as their teacher or in this, this time period, their rabbi, their master. And this is, this is what we are called to do in Jesus. We're to have his mindset, his heart, and walk by his examples of his actions. So while John is resting like a child, you know, this. if you look, he leaves a hand open to receive. But Judas, on the other hand, he's dipping his hand right in the dish. He alone feeds himself. It's as if he no longer believes that Jesus has or is the bread of life. For him, food is food. It's literal. It's material. And that's what he's doing. He's showing his greed by force of just taking it. He's not waiting to receive it. So the next time you receive communion, remember that. Reflect on that. We are to receive, not to take it. When we come with our hands cupped, we're allowing ourselves to receive. We're allowing ourselves to be fed. You've probably heard this before. Remain teachable because you don't know everything. So when you hold your hands open, cupped, you're receiving. And that's what we're doing. We wait. For God to give, because God always provides. So this becomes actually a way of living. Love is always a gift. You can never take it by force. It has to be received. So when we come to Holy Thursday, 
we must remember to trust and open our hearts to receive. So then the second thing that happened was the, the foot washing of the apostles. So here Jesus, the master, the rabbi, he actually commits a very scandalous task. He takes off his robe and begins to wash the feet of the disciple. And this is normally a job of a slave. So in a sense, it's his entire message. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. But it's such a provoking act. Like it causes a reaction. One of the reactions is that Peter refuses. He was just so self-conscious. He's like, no, 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 no. I must wash your feet. You, No, no, no. Please, please don't wash my feet. But he was blind to his own weaknesses. Or simply put, um, we don't know our short, shortcomings until they're pointed out to us. So Peter's feet were so dirty in his own eyes that he could not even imagine Jesus who had performed miracles washing his feet. I think so many times we hide parts of us from Jesus because we feel like there's parts of us we have to get cleaned up or put together before we can come to Jesus. But Jesus actually pushes back. He draws us closer. He tells us, come as we are. He doesn't want just part of us. He wants all of us to be cleansed. He wants all of us to step out of the darkness, out of the dirt, if you will, that, were, that was on the feet, and come into the light and be cleansed. He can never run out. This is one thing so many people need to hear. Jesus can never run out of love. So ask yourself, what part of my life am I ashamed to share with Christ? I have to ask myself this all the time. What are my weaknesses? What are my fears? Where am I still wounded? That can open a whole conversation if you're not ready for it. But we need to open that conversation. So why did Jesus need to wash Peter's feet? Now, Peter may have been the one to speak out. Uh, but there's, there's little doubt that the other disciples had their own thoughts and doubts about what Jesus was doing. But... The image of the apostles lifting his hands and, and if you ever see a picture of, of the foot washing, they're lifting their hands and, and they're looking away in disbelief like, I can't believe Jesus is doing this. What is he doing? We should be do, doing this for him because they've seen the miracles. They have seen the anointing on him. But time and time again, Jesus recognized himself as a teacher. But then he also goes straight into, I'm here to serve. So to wash the feet of another is to set aside your own concern, your own wounds, and address those of others. You're to lift others up. You're to care for others. Not saying we don't have issues, but when we put our own self aside, we set aside our greed, our pride, and everything to serve others. There's also the posture. You're bending low. You're lowering yourself physically in the presence of someone else. And during certain times in history, that was that was looked at as a sign of weakness, cowardness. But here Jesus is saying, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm not above you. I'm with you. 
And even though he is Lord, I don't know about you, but when there's been times I needed Jesus and I prayed and I cried out, it felt like he was sitting right beside me, not hovering over me. So there's there's a posture when we come to people. And I really believe that that's what this foot washing is really trying to tell us. There's a posture we need when we come to people to talk with them, not to talk over them. Because when you talk over someone or you tower over someone, you're actually diminishing them. And that's not what Jesus was trying to do. Now, the third thing let's talk about. Christ had great agony. And he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. So after finishing his meal, Jesus got up. And some believe that he actually pushed the boundaries and, and crossed the boundaries to leave town. The boundaries of Jerusalem, if you will. Now remember I said at the beginning, no one left the city. They stayed there. But Christ left the boundaries of Jerusalem. He left the safety promised within Jerusalem, the city of salvation. And he went out into the night, not fearing chaos, not hiding from it, but rather he went into the depths of the darkness, technically into the jaws of death, if you will. Jesus is able to do this because he knows the Father. He knows the beauty of and that the light is coming from the love of the Father. He knows that the light is stronger than the darkness. He also knows the Father's love never fails. Now the disciples, on the other hand, they were very overwhelmed. They were falling asleep. They had fear. Um, we know that, that when they came to arrest Jesus, there were some knee-jerk reactions. They were breaking away from the norm. And this caused a lot of anxiety because in Jewish times, your traditions had to be upheld. You did not disobey anything that was tradition. It's also helpful to recall that the experience of Israel escaping the land of the Pharaoh on the shores of the Red Sea. Think about that. Imagine how their eyes might have glazed over in fear as they saw the approaching armies on one side and the Mountains on the other side of the sea there in front of them. They were trapped. They probably felt like they were suffocating. And probably felt like they'd been betrayed by God and Moses. But they, they didn't throw in the towel. They didn't give up. They didn't go back to Egypt. Now they complained in the desert. You know, we should just go back and die. But they didn't give up. The only escape from the fear and the storm is to go through it. So Jesus is taking the disciples out of the safety of the city. Jesus, like Moses, is the one who drives us right through the ocean. Now let's, let's push this a little further. If we keep our eyes open, even when everything is going dark, we can see so much when we focus on Christ and the light of the world. I would love to know the pep talk, maybe, that Jesus gave the disciples as they were walking. Maybe there was no conversation at all. 
Scripture is very limited to what it tells us happened on the journey to the garden. But I would love to have known what the pep talk was, the encouragement Jesus gave them. Because remember, they had so much fear, so much stress. And then the next thing we come to is the arrest of Jesus. After one of the most beautiful prayers in the garden, you can look at John 17 for this. Jesus came forward and basically confronted his arresters. Now, he didn't fight back. But after having left the table, Judas appeared once more on the scene. But now he's accompanied with those that will arrest Jesus. Basically, his heart actions are on display. They came with weapons. They were ready for violence and hate and injustice. Judas probably started with good intentions, but like many of us, we start with good intentions and the enemy just snags us. And many times we end up all talk, no action. And we get ourselves in a lot of trouble. I'm sure the disciples were probably thinking, when is the Messiah going to start conquering these people? What is going on? Why is, why is this happening? Perhaps Judah felt that he had actually earned more than 30 pieces. I mean, he's delivering the miracle worker. Maybe Judas was one of those that would have said, let's just go back to Egypt. I don't know. But I think Judas trusted more in the sword than the faith. Maybe he was ready to just bow down to the tyrant officials of the time, even though he'd seen the miracles. But enough was enough. Convinced that it was Jesus who had basically portrayed the cause, meaning Judas's cause, you know. He was the one with the, the money back and probably had his hand in it as much as he wanted. And Judas does what he wants to, even by force. And he's proven it now. But in a flash of a moment, Judas' dream comes true. And he walks into the scene as if he's leading an army. And with those 30 pieces of silver in his mind, he's done nothing but sold his own self back into slavery. Back into slavery of the men that basically might as well have been the ones that Pharaoh used to keep the Egyptians hostage. You know, they were in Egypt for 400 years. They had become Egyptians. Everything was, was impacted by the Egyptian culture. They no longer remembered their Israelite roots. And they had to be delivered from slavery before they could be retaught their roots. And now, basically, Judas just turned back to an Egyptian. Isn't it funny how things happen and we see our mindset resort back to old playgrounds, old playmates? In recovery, we come so far. 
And in a blink of an eye, we think we're doing the right thing. And then we realize we've sold ourselves back into slavery to whatever our addiction is, whatever our compulsive behavior is. Sometimes we're like John. We're leaned on Jesus. We're listening. We're, we're absorbing everything. But in a blink of an eye, Judas will show up in our hearts. Now, I don't think any of us would say Jesus is too passive. But I do think sometimes we are way too quick to let our impatience jump forward. And maybe we're the ones that cuts off the ear of the, the guard, the soldier that came. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life I've had knee-jerk reactions. I mean, I've, I've probably said many times, God, just give me a sword. I'll handle this. And he's like, no, nah, you're stupid. I'm not giving you a sword. To be patient means you trust. Even in the middle of your deepest suffering. The Passover was the path towards resurrection. Christ had to go through this. And this is also what we're called to do. It's not easy, but we are called to do it. When they called Jesus, Jesus responded to the guards, I am he. Very simple. The same person, God in the flesh, he had revealed himself over and over and over. He revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. He had the power. He never lost it. But this gesture that he would go through all of this for us to set us free from condemnation. Christ allowed himself to become subject to the authorities because he knew that the only true power and glory would lie in following God's will. So often the world brags about technology and weapons and material things and we look at our titles, our bank accounts, our cars. And so many people view that as power. I've achieved. I've done this. But Christ on the cross is in this moment powerless because he freely gave. Now, Christ's power isn't limitless. Don't get me wrong. He will impose it. But he set that aside to wash us clean. I think we can understand that Christ's willingness to be stripped of his glory in order to take away any doubt that we have, that the enemy has forcefully tried to impose on us to keep us in fear and shame and guilt. Christ didn't come in waving a sword, slashing the demons, killing them left and right. He walked humbly like a servant. 
He spoke and gave an example for all of us to follow. And if we have the courage and the faith to trust him, then what he gives to us freely is the ultimate gift of his true power. Because no one else can give that to us. You know, when I think about Holy Thursday, usually we mostly think about the Last Supper or the foot washing, the Garden of the Gethsemane, the prayer, the arrest. I don't think we talk about what happens next. Tonight we'll begin a series of beatings. Christ was beat, literally. Some, some translations say until the flesh was barely hanging off his body. They didn't come and take Christ. He didn't run away. He identified himself. I am he. He didn't resist. He went with them. I think we forget to talk about this. And sometimes it's hard to think about. He allowed himself to be arrested. He allowed himself to be shackled and chained to a post, a wood post. He allowed himself to be beat with all of the fury that could be in every swing of that whip. And let's be honest, we know there's twisted people out there. I don't like to think about it, but I think to a degree, some of the guards probably enjoyed unleashing that anger and all because they thought they had power. But Christ displayed the ultimate power at any time he could have stopped all of that. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He could have struck them down dead in a heartbeat, but he didn't. He took the beating that was meant for you and I, the price of sin, which is death. As you go into today, just look around. If there's any part of you that is not walking in humility, if you're not humble, if you're not serving, maybe it's time that you step back from a few things that's consuming your time, keeping you busy. Because that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to keep us busy. He likes to tell us that if we bow down, just bow down to him, that he'll give us so much. But let's be honest, in the end, every knee will bow, but it won't be to the enemy. It will be to God. Even the demons know the name of Jesus. I know this has been kind of a long message, but Holy Week is special for me. Especially when we have communion. I shared this with the church Sunday, and I'll share it again. I can't help but during Holy Week thinking about Mary. Knowing 
Now, she didn't fully have foreknowledge. She knew, but not full in details. Because Scripture says only God knows everything. Even in Scripture, Jesus said only, only the Father knows the day and the time and, and every detail. But think about Mary watching Jesus go through this. Her baby. Screaming, I left him first. Don't do this. Her heart aching. But she can't stop it. She knows he has a purpose. The angel came to her in the beginning and told her. I mean, if I was Mary, I would say, I love y'all, but I don't love you enough to give you my son. But Jesus does love us that much. God loves us that much. If you're in a grocery store or something, just reach over out of the kindness of your heart. Pay for somebody's meal. Don't let them see you do it. And the reason I say that is because Christ went to the cross for each of us. He went to the cross for me before I was ever born. But he still did. And he did the same for you. I pray that you serve others without them seeing you. I pray that you give without anybody knowing. I pray you do for others and only God knows what you've done. Because in the end, everything we do, we do before an audience of one and we will stand before that audience of one and be held accountable. Until next time, speak life. Be a blessing. Please put your faith feet into action to cause a positive ripple effect. Because if you don't like what's going on around you, change starts with you. Much agape, everybody.